Good evening, my brothers and my sisters in West Midlands. I didn't say Birmingham because I suppose there are people here from Wolverhampton, right? And Birmingham? And West Brom? Uh, Dudley? <laughs> it's great to be here. I must confess, I'm not used to being uh, in the high places. So I'll try and get used to it. <laughs> Thanks so much to the Flemings uh, for inviting us down to share some time with this wonderful, wonderful church. Uh, the last time that I had this privilege was uh, a little over 12 years ago. I'll never forget uh, John York came and got us at the train station. He fed us the night, but uh, he worked us like mad the entire weekend. Uh, he wor- Every cent he spent, he worked off. But that was 12 and a half years ago. That was fantastic, guys. It's great to be back. You're always uh, in a special corner of our hearts. Uh, we, we left Birmingham that year. And I remember on the plane back to Kingston, I said to my darling wife, uh, Nadine, I said, honey, the UK is lovely to visit, but I could never live here. (laughs) And God heard me. (laughs) And a year later, I was packing to come back. It's been 11 years ago. To God be the glory. Uh, We've had two beautiful boys uh, during that time. We've, um, I've done a bit of studying, as has Nadine. We've worked for some great companies. And during that time, uh, we've been asked to reconsider going back in the ministry. And I ran and I ran, uh, just as uh, Jonah did. And at some point, I thought, if I, if, if I don't stop running, I may just get swallowed. And so I turned myself in. And so I came back to the ministry uh, May of this year, May, June of this year, beg your pardon. And my, my beautiful wife joined me in August. It was a bit lonely without her. It's now perfect to God be the glory. We hope to help as many as possible to share what we share in our, in our Lord Jesus. Uh, for those of you who have no idea who we are, I was baptized in the campus ministry in Kingston, Jamaica in 1993. Uh, my wife was baptized in 1990. She served in the ministry in Kingston for 10 years. I served for almost 9 years. And um, we, we stepped out of the ministry in 2003 for, for various reasons. And I thought I'd go back to finish my education. had no idea I'd be in the UK. But the Lord decided I'd, I'd come to the land of God save the Queen. And so I came. And the plan was to study and go back to Jamaica. And uh, four months before graduation, we went home to sort of survey the landscape in, in Kingston. And when I, when I got there, a good friend of mine, uh, your brother in Christ, Noel Greenland, he called me up and he said, look, we need somebody. Would you be interested? The job will be ready after you've graduated, I said, oh my God, thank you so much. Yes, I am interested. We had lunch together and he said, by the way, the, the job is in London, not here. <laughs> and I said, amen, because I needed a job. 
Uh, my wife was, was excited when she heard I was going to have lunch with Noel. When I came back and said, oh honey, the job is in London, she was still enthused, but a little less enthused. <laughs> but since it is God who determines the exact times and places where we should live, we were not about to argue with God. And so we came back, and, and, and God has done as he has so chosen through us. And our only desire at this juncture is to lead a life that is glorifying to God. You know, we have two children, and we, 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 we pray for them every day. We pray every morning in the car as we go to school. And sometimes we forget they're, they're in the car as we're praying, because we always pray and beg God to help them to come to know him before it is too late. But we also beg God to, to, to provide them with two lovely Christian girls that they can marry. And I'll never forget one morning after praying, um, Cameron respectfully said, Daddy, why do you want to marry me? <laughs> and so I had to explain, Son, not now. You have many, many, many years ahead of you. Don't worry about marriage right now. But that's, 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 how, that's who we are and that's what we feel. You know, I've begged God. I said, God, if... If my children are not impressive in the eyes of the world, I do not care, provided they come to know you. Provided we get to share heaven with them. That, to us, is the most important thing. You know, I share with them all the time. I said, son, um, mommy is ahead of you. And he, he wasn't sure what that meant. And I said, look, God is first in daddy's life. And so whatever God wants, God gets first. Then mommy is second. So whatever mommy wants, mommy gets after God gets what God wants. And then after mommy, it is you. And so it's, it's, we're doing our best to try and live these principles. Because we want so badly to make it to heaven and be with our God. You may, you may be visiting this afternoon and in your heart, you want to get to know God. You want to be close to God. Maybe you are studying the Bible with somebody and it's not all clear to you. I'll be honest with you, there are things I read now that I have to read again and again and study a little bit more to get a clearer understanding because the Bible is so deep. If there are things you don't understand, it is okay. You may be a Christian and you know you've been a Christian for years and maybe your walk with God is going awesome. That is super. But maybe... You're not so sure. You don't feel like you can give as much as you used to. You're feeling a little bit tired. You may even question, is this for real? Let me assure you, God's only desire is to have a relationship with you. Not just know but throughout all eternity. And so what I've done recently, I've looked, I've looked at a man that God called his friend. And I was, a, I was a little puzzled as to why is it, what is it about this man that made God call him his friend? I've not seen anybody else so singled out in scripture. And the man is Abraham. And I thought to myself, whatever Abraham did, whoever Abraham was, I want to be just like Abraham because I want to be God's friend. 
In James 2 and verse 23 it says, The scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Let's go to God in prayer. Our God and our Father, as we come to you this evening, thank you so much, righteous God, for providing us this opportunity to come to worship you, to sing songs to you, to sing songs to each other, to partake in the communion, to remind us of the sacrifice you made, to listen to your word, your word that is true, and hopefully, Heavenly Father, put that word into practice because that is what pleases you. Holy Father, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will take over. And may every word that comes from my mouth be seasoned with salt so everyone who hears it will benefit. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful privilege. We pray all these in Jesus' name. Amen. Abraham was called God's friend. This is, for me, this is a tremendous accolade. To be placed or to be stored on anybody. For God to call you his friend. You know, I thought about it and I thought, I thought what, is, what, what was it about Abraham? I mean, Abraham did some weird things in his time. You know, he gave his wife over to a man and said, look, tell him you're not my wife, you're my sister, otherwise I am dead. And God blessed the wife. Sisters, God blessed the wife. And in fact, God has blessed her so much, he said, look, I want you to be her daughter's. She submitted to her husband, even though he was lying. And I thought, but he's God's friend. So what then qualified him to be God's friend? You know, what is, you know, Abraham, Abraham, I mean, he was the patriarch of the Jews. God called him to be the father of Israel. And we see in James 2, It is saying he was God's friend. In Exodus 33 and verse 11 it says, we read of Moses where it says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. However, it is only of Abraham that it is referred directly that he was the friend of God. You know, I'd like to briefly examine a few of his characteristics to see why God chose to call him his friend. Let's look at who a friend is. In John 15 and verse 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid on his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command, Jesus said. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus was a friend to us, or is a friend to us. And his definition was laying down his life. 
giving up everything. There were no barriers. There were no boundaries. That was loving unconditionally. He gave up everything he had so he could have a relationship with us. And so there has to be something about Abraham why God would call him this. You know, in Proverbs 18 and verse 24, it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so I read this and and I thought to myself, I want to know what it means to be a friend of God. You know, friendship in this connotation is speaking of intimacy. It's more than just a close acquaintance. You know, one who is attached to another by affection. So we must understand that that there must be something special about this Abraham. Why God called him his friend. You know, I think of my friends, and when I think of my friends, I think of them with fondness. You know, when I think of my friends, I feel affection in my heart. When I think of my friends, I think of my friends with a smile on my face. Because those friendships mean the world to me. You know, I think of, I now think of Andy and Tammy. And after the amazing Thanksgiving dinner last night, I'll be thinking of them with much fondness, <laughs> intimacy, a smile on my face. Thank you so much. That was incredible. I'm so blessed to have my friends, the Joneses, here. When I think of the Joneses, I smile because we go so far back. You know, I remember being in campus and having party in Sylvia's dad's home. And let me tell you, campus students are not the the best behaved. But he was just glad to have us because we were Sylvia's friend. You know, I think of my friendship with my dear friend Derek Aries and there's nothing I wouldn't do for him and there's nothing he wouldn't do for me. That is a friendship that we have. And so I ask myself the question, is it possible, and this is something for you to ponder, is it possible then to be a child of God but not a friend of God? Is that possible? Is it possible to be born again but yet lack that intimacy with your God in heaven? Let's look briefly at a few things regarding Abraham. That qualified him to be God's friend. Firstly, he submitted himself to God's direction. He submitted himself to, God, to God's direction. Genesis chapter 12, turn there with me please. In Genesis chapter 12. And I'll read for you from verse 1 through to verse 4. It says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And many peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he was sent out from Haran. God called Abraham. And God said, go. And what did that mean for for a 75-year-old Abraham? It meant he had to pull up stakes and go. Where was he going? To a land God would show him. You know, Andy invited us down and I knew exactly where we were going. He gave me his address. So I put it in my sat nav and I knew exactly where I was going. I felt secure. But God called Abraham and he said, I want you to go to a place I will show you. Abraham had to give up every security he knew. His family. His friends. He was going to a new land. Now I can relate to going to a new land. But truth be told, I'd seen the new land before. So I had an idea what the new land was like. Abraham had no idea. He was trusting God the whole way. A new land of sojourning. He didn't even know exactly where God was taking him. And so I asked myself the question, if I turn up to the office Monday morning, I'm getting myself ready, and the boss said to me, oh, by the way, no, 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 don't, um, don't unpack. You're being transferred. Would I say, okay, just tell me where to go? I wouldn't do that. I want to know where am I going? Why am I being sent? How far from home will that be? Am I being paid more? Am I being paid less? Are there greater perks? Is this a promotion? Is it a demotion? I would have a million questions. God said to Abraham, go. And Abraham, it says, so Abraham, verse 4, departed. What a man. At one point, I thought he must have been out of his mind. He said, this makes no sense to the natural mind. Because in our hearts, it is right to ask pertinent questions and get pertinent answers. Truth be told, that is not always so of God. What God requires is simply obedience. Because he's God. Simply obedience. Get up and go. Abraham didn't argue with God. He just went. Hebrews 11 and verse 8 it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Doesn't that sound a little crazy to you? Be honest. Doesn't it? You're too too scared to, to tell the truth. It is true. It is scary. You know, when I was asked, I was asked three years ago to, to go back in the ministry. And I thought, I thought about it. 
And I said to Mike Fontenot, bro, I'm not ready. Truth is, the truth was, I didn't want to. And the following year, he asked me again. And I said, bro, nah. It's not for me right now. It's not that the ministry wasn't for me. I didn't want the ministry. I was arguing, kicking, and screaming. In fact, it just so happened that everybody started asking me, what are you waiting on? And I remember going to God because I felt as though God wouldn't leave me alone. I said, God, why don't you just give me a break sometime? Just leave me alone sometimes. That's how intense it was. It was real wrestling. And I'm not lying. When I got to the point, I thought to myself, goodness. Am I pursuing something that will swallow me? That would cause me to lose my salvation? Lose my family? And I came to my senses and thought, if this is God's plan for my life, then this is the right plan. And to be honest with you, when I agreed to do it, there was a little bit of sacrifice. And I say a little bit because you think of Jesus on the cross and there is no context that you can ever present that compares. But to me and my present circumstances, the idea of a salary cut was not very appealing. But then I saw Abraham. And Abraham simply obeyed. And so the question I had to ask was, Franklin, will you simply obey? Will you obey? See, I think Abraham obeyed because he had confidence in the will of God. That's his faith. I think he obeyed because of his commitment to God's will. That is obedience. If you're studying the Bible this afternoon, what is stopping you from simply obeying the scriptures? What is stopping you? Who is preventing you from simply surrendering to your God? If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, and if you're not a blessing to those around you, as Abraham was a blessing, what is stopping you? Which God do you serve? How big is your God? Is there anything in your life that is too much for your God? Are there some things that God can't do? I look at Abraham and he just thought, you know what? If God could say, let there be light and there was light, then there is nothing beyond this God. Nothing. What is stopping you? Secondly, Abraham separated himself from the godless world. So he firstly obeys God's will for his life. Secondly, he separated himself from the godless world. Genesis 14. And I'll read for you from verse 21 through to verse 23. In Genesis 14, 
and verse 21. It says, the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a strap of sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I have made Abraham rich. The story behind this is the king, Abraham had helped the king of Sodom to defeat the four northern kings. And so the king of Sodom must have thought, goodness, I'm going to be overrun, I'm going to be defeated. Abraham came on the scene, helped him out, he, 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 he won, and so it is natural to feel an obligation to reward a good deed, isn't it? And so the king thought, man, you've done this great deed. Give me the people, but take whatever you want. And Abraham thought, I can't do this. I cannot do this. This is the king of Sodom. I cannot do this. And you may think to yourself, come on, Abraham, just be a little bit flexible. God will understand. But Abraham said, I cannot do this. I made an oath. I cannot do this. 22 years ago, I said, Jesus is Lord. So in every circumstance, Jesus must be Lord. There's no exception to this rule. Jesus must be Lord. And so Abraham said, no, thank you. He was not about to partake in the riches of this wicked, evil king. He was not about to be flexible. My question to you is, how are your flexibilities affecting your friendship to your God? You know, very recently we went to um, Chessington Royal of Adventures with our children and some friends. And as we left, I remembered, oh, I needed to pay for parking. And um, because the, 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 the plan we have is the no-frills plan, so you have to pay to park. A friend who has the all-inclusive plan said, oh, don't, don't worry. I'll just drive through and then I'll give you my pass and you drive through behind me. And I thought, that doesn't sound right. And so I said, no, 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 that's fine. I'll, I'll go pay the two pounds. And it's, it's, it's not my two pounds, it's their two pounds. And do the right thing. But I could have been a little bit flexible. How are your flexibilities affecting your relationship with your God? Abraham chose not to be flexible. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5, just make a note, it says, Avoid every kind of evil. Every kind of evil. You know, Abraham was called a friend of God because he chose not to be flexible and please this wicked world. You know, my only regret is that his nephew, Lot, did not learn from his example. Lot went the other way. And so you could, you could see Lot for Lot. Then Lot started to look like the people of Sodom. 
And in the end, he lost everything, including his family. Will your flexibilities cost you everything you, you consider dear because you've not been righteous before your God? Thirdly, Abraham was willing to stand on the, 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 the dependability of his God. Abraham knew God was dependable. God's yes is yes. God's no is no. You know, I worked for a company, Grace Kennedy. And during my induction, one of the um, directors said to me, I'll say this to you because people have gotten fired on this principle. Our word is our bond. And so if you commit this company to anything, we will carry through with it. Now, mind you, if what you have committed us to is not great, we may ask you for your resignation. But remember this, our word is our bond. This is an organization in the world. Is your yes, yes, and is your no, no? Genesis 15, turn there with me. In Genesis 15, and reading from verse 1, it says, After this, the word of the, of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Genesis 15 and verse 1. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can I give, what can you give me since I, since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children. A servant, is, a servant in my household will be my heir. The word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but, this, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look about the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed that the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed in God's promises. God made him a promise. I will give you a son. In my own time. On my own schedule. When I deem it right. My greatest challenge sometimes with God is that God doesn't give me what I want when I want it. And I've had to learn to be patient, but still trust in God who made the promises. You know, when God made the promise to Abraham, it took 25 years for the promise to be fulfilled. And I've, I've often asked myself, what would I do for those 25 years? Would I remain faithful would I remain committed? Would I still believe? Would I still reach out to my neighbors and teach them Jesus is Lord? Would I sulk? Would I walk away? What would I have done? There are a few things I've been begging God for for a while. And God hasn't answered me yet. But thank God I have Abraham to learn. If it, if it takes 25 years, be patient. And trust 
God. Remember, he created heaven and earth by merely speaking. If that's who he is, he can fulfill a promise. You see, Abraham stood on the fact that God was dependable. Now, my question to you is, is there anybody who can trust your dependability? Promises that you make. Do you keep these promises? What example do you set? Is your yes, yes, and your no, no? Who are you? Who do you resemble? People look at my son Cameron and say, man, he looks just like you. Well, yes, I am his father. Who do you look like spiritually? Are you so close to God that you look like God? Who are you trusting? Abraham chose to believe in God's promises. In Romans 4, and I'm almost done, in Romans chapter 4, And verse 18. And I can imagine you may have many questions that still remain unanswered. I'm sure Abraham did too. But he chose to trust God. In Romans 4 and verse 18. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. I I often wondered, what would have happened if Abraham had chosen not to believe? When Jesus said to Peter, come, what would have happened if Peter thought, ah, not so sure? After fishing all night and and catching nothing and Jesus said, oh, that's, that's okay, throw the net out one more time. What would have happened if Peter thought, you have, bro, you have no idea. We have shared with everything that has moved, nothing is happening. I often wondered what might have happened. But I thank God that these men had just enough faith to obey. It says, um, verse 19, Without weakening in his faith, Abraham that is, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, goodness gracious, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. He believed God. He believed age was no barrier to God. Okay, Sarah's womb... Is barren. He believed God could open her womb. He believed there was nothing beyond God. And so my question is, in your heart, what is beyond God? What do you have that cannot be fixed? You know, God does not take pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. And I say this to say to you, God's promise is that anybody who seeks him with all their hearts will find him. I want to encourage you with this. There are many, many people in Birmingham who are seeking God 
And God has planted you to help them find him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the harvest really is plentiful? I question it sometimes, I've got to be honest. And I realize sometimes I pray about the wrong thing. I pray about the harvest. But the harvest is plentiful. I need to pray about the workers. We are the ones who are few. And so I need to remember these things. You know, God's promises are true. God promised that anyone who calls on him will be saved. Romans 10, 13. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? If you see God with all your heart, God will see to it that somebody finds you. Or that you find somebody who will teach you his word so you will hear it. Your heart will be moved so you will believe it. And because you believe, you'll repent. Because you can't serve God with an unrepentant heart. You will confess Jesus as your Lord. And Jesus as your Lord means whatever Jesus says goes. That simple. Not my will, Jesus' will. And then of course, you're going to be baptized to wash away all the madness. That is a promise. If you are studying the Bible today, it is a promise for you. You know, God has promised to care for us in our deepest, darkest sorrows. In 1 Peter 5, it says, Cast all anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you. He has promised to never leave you and to never forsake you. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. God cannot lie. It is beyond him. So do not look at man and think of God in that same picture. All have sinned and fallen short. That is not God. He has promised to meet our every need. Philippians 4 verse 19. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, And my God, my God Almighty in heaven, will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches. That is in Christ Jesus. The earth is the Lord and everything, the Lord's and everything in it. What need do you have that God will not meet? Be patient. Be patient. Are you suffering? Suffering for doing what is right. Suffering, it produces perseverance. Persevering is not a bad thing. Because only those who persevere to the end will be saved. And so Abraham persevered. And God called him his friend. Who are you today? Who are you a friend to? Who are you a friend of? That's who Abraham was. Finally, Abraham was willing to sacrifice his dearest to God. Genesis 
Abraham was willing to sacrifice his dearest to God. So we saw where God made the promise. 25 years fulfilled the promise. And after fulfilling the promise 25 years later, God says the following. In Genesis 22, turn it with me please. In Genesis 22, one reading verse 1. It says, some time later God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham... I'm sorry, sometime, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. I mean, this is hard. I mean, God says, first of all, take your son. And almost as though to rub it in, God says, your only son. Let me remind you, he's your only son. In fact, your only son whom you love. Can you imagine the emotions? And then, should in case you may have forgotten who that is, Isaac. What a test. What a test. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took him, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. That's cruel. I mean, the guy is going to be sacrificed and he had to carry his own wood. That's, That's kind of like Jesus carrying the cross, isn't it? He said, and he, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. What a father. Abraham, yes, Lord. Take your son, okay? In fact, your only son, okay? Whom you love, okay? By the way, his name is Isaac. Okay. And I don't want you, you to go and kill him. Wow. But Lord, you said I would be the father of many nations. So if I, if I kill him, what's going to happen? That was never Abraham's attitude. His attitude was, I'm going to obey God, whatever God says. God has the power to do anything. And you could see the faith of Abraham. He said to his servants, you stay here while we go worship. 
and we will come back. Where is your faith? What is testing your faith? And how are you doing with your tests? Would you have passed this test? Abraham was a friend of God because Abraham surrendered his dearest to his God in heaven. Is there anything in your life that is worth more to you than your God? Take a step back. Examine your life. Have you sacrificed it all to God on the altar? Because that's what God did. You see, God is a friend to us because God sacrificed everything he have for us in Jesus Christ. Is there anything in your life that is preventing you from being God's friend? Abraham was a friend to God because he submitted to God's direction for his life. He trusted in the promises of God. He trusted in God's dependability. He was ready to surrender everything to God because that would meant he was obedient to his God in heaven. I ask you tonight, as Abraham is obedient to God, are you following this example? Do you want to be a friend of God? If you're studying the Bible, what is preventing you from giving it all up for the sake of being a friend to God? If you're wrestling in your relationships with your brothers and your sisters, what is stopping you from working it out? What is happening in your life that the God who made heaven and earth cannot fix? I beg you, I beg you tonight. Lay it all on the altar before God. May our lives be a living sacrifice. May our lives bring God the glory he deserves. And to him alone be the glory. Amen. Thank you so much for having me. Love you.